Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best start fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. In particular, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of fishing products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Boy, they sure do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. And it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can always get it at our website, wefishasa.com, too. We Fish ASA is produced by our executive producer, Mr. Brad Nearman, down in Lando Lakes, Florida. His company is called Berserk Productions. Brad Nearman, thanks for everything. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Children's book author Bob Allen, he's been with us before, busy at the typewriters, come out with a new book in time for Christmas, Bob Allen. And I get to visit with a good friend. He is Brian Brosdahl. Yeah, bro. I call him the face of ice fishing in America. Boy, oh boy, just Google him on the internet. And when you see his picture, if you don't say this guy is ice fishing personified, I don't know what you're thinking of. Brian Brosdahl. But first, let me swing it over to Dave Kranz. Who's going to bring on Dan Johnston from St. Croix? Take it away, Dave. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Uh, no problem. You know, we've talked about a lot of things over these uh, uh, six-plus years. We're in our seventh year of programming. Uh, we talked about the evolution of electronics and how good they keep getting, but we never really touched on... You know, the, the every product has gotten better. Rods, reels, lines, hooks. Uh, some of it, you know, we've kind of gone back on rods. We've gone back to where we were using glass rods. And at one time, we're both old enough to remember that they all were glass. Yeah, specific to that point, glass has gone back. There's been a lot of retro things that have come back in fishing. But the glass and certainly the way it's uh, put into a fishing rod has improved drastically. So oh, yeah. even though they, even though we're still desiring that moderate deflection for certain applications, I can speak on behalf of St. Croix. You know, we have the linear S glass done with our IPC technology, which wasn't even on the map no. back then. You know, yeah. so I, I think that sometimes you can go retro with the concept, but you can do it with newer technology. But to the broader point that you made a minute ago, Every category has gotten better. I mean, we could have taken this to boats, electronics, rain gear. Uh, I know we're going to talk about hooks, line, tackle, rods, and those sorts of things. But I think when, you know, St. Croix, I'll speak on behalf of us again, St. Croix driven to give the angler the best fishing experience and to give the angler the upper hand. And when you do that, you have to listen uh, and you also have to inject any technologies into trends and try to make that rod 
as good as it can possibly be. Unfortunately, we see that across the entire industry, whether it's baits that are better tuned, that run better, that have more quality finishes and better hooks and lines that tie knots better, that are stronger with smaller diameters. And we could take it to every category. It's a it's a beautiful time to be an angler because it's, mm-hmm. it seems like things that are coming out, you know, not in entirety, but the vast majority of the times it's an improvement. Yeah, and you see you said baits, and the, the images that are on these baits, they look so real and so good. I, I think I remember back when we had, you know, a half dozen colors, black, white, red and white, you know, yellow, but, but we didn't have the, the width of images and to, to where they can take a bait and make it look like a real fish. That, what an advantage. It's incredible what the lure companies have been able to do. And I, I think another big change from the past until now is the advent of social media and communication across fisheries. Let's just say North America, for example. Everybody's talking to everybody real time. And people pick up on trends faster. Uh, you know, the hot colors in certain areas all of a sudden transgress into other areas because there's just more information out there and i i think that's a real good thing too and it 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 relates right down into the quality of the product because it's not necessarily regionally specific anymore there's certainly some of that certain colors and sizes and bait cadences work better in some areas than others and you and i know that very well but i think that you know for example i was just out in california recently and uh you know they used to be on the front side of everything significantly from a time standpoint now it seems to catch on a lot quicker and i i think manufacturers across the board are able to react to trends quicker now than ever before Oh, absolutely. The evolution of fishing information through YouTube videos and things like that and, and social medias. It, it's, yeah, it's crazy what you can learn without ever going on the water. When you and I started, you actually probably had to go fishing to, to learn some of these techniques. Well, there's still a big upside to that. I'm very careful about what I read or what I learn until I can prove it to myself and i'm old very very old school that way i try to not get too caught up in what other people are saying um because i've i've been burned doing that before and then i've won some doing that before so but i I think that the fact that it's there like for example the fg knot you know years ago if we tried to figure out how to tie that stupid thing it would have been an absolute nightmare trying to have somebody talk to you about it over the phone. And But there's a hundred videos on it, you know, step by step. And that's just one example. So there's certain times where it's very beneficial. But, you know, I mean, we can talk about on the rod side, it's really been fun because technology is a big part of rods getting better, but also identifying trends, you know, generally speaking, Again, generally speaking, rods have gotten longer for sure, certainly in the bass, musky, and panfish markets. Um, And But not only that, when that's established, then here comes the lines and here comes the baits. Why is that long rod better and what bait is better with that long rod? Now how do we tie forward-facing sonar into it? So everything kind of helps itself across the whole industry. And the ultimate beneficiary is always the angler. It might start with a bait, it may start with a line, it may start with a rod, but they all seem to kind of come together to make the system that's as close to perfect as it can possibly be. Yeah, how about how about hooks, chemically sharpened hooks that are 
Oh, uh, compared to what we used to fish with, they, I don't even know if we could use some of the stuff we used 40 or 50 years ago. It's surprised that they, they caught as many fish as they did, the thickness of the hook. The, there were so many things that were really working against them with, with the old technology compared to what's out now. Well, there's no doubt. I'm Dave, you probably have one of the old yellow handle files <laughs> that do. we used to use to, to sharpen things up with. And, you know, the upside to that is you could sharpen it. Yes. Where these chemically sharpened hooks, when they get dinked up, I throw them in the garbage can. Yep. And that's that's the up that's the, the the upside to a sharpenable hook. But these chemically sharpened hooks, what it enables us to do is downsize our line, not swing them swing on them as hard. They seem to hold fish better. They penetrate beautifully. They're just uh, again, that's just that's just one example. But hooks have been in the last twenty years one of the biggest. Um, improvements in technology and it's not just the chemically sharpened aspect it's all the different designs and the modifications to straight shanks and barbs and ewgs and spring locks and we could go on and on for certain applications and that absolutely makes a difference and i would challenge listeners out there swim baits is a great example there's about a dozen 20 ways to rig those things depending on what hook you use and if you get it right it affects the action on the bait. You get bit more, and more importantly, they just get it. And having the fish stay on better, when you have that eyelet uh, directly in line with the point of the hook, look at the engineering of that. You're pulling against, straight against it on the same plane, and it, you're basically pulling on that hook point and keeping it uh, buried so you don't lose these fish. I mean, the, the technology is is probably much more complicated than the fact that we use it and we like it and it works uh, but to come up with those type of things you know we, we always say what's next you know we we know something else is is gonna happen but but what's next with with all these things and and like the line the, the braids the florals the monos are, uh, are all different and engineered to be like you said the the anglers are the direct beneficiaries of that Everything drives it. I remember when uh, Spiderwire first came out, there were a couple other Spectra, a couple different brands. This is going way back, like, I, I don't know, maybe even late 80s, early 90s. And I remember thinking, man, they're saying this stuff is 60 pound. It's got the diameter of 12. And, you know, we were all in and it worked. There's no doubt. But look how far it's come now yeah. from fused polyethylenes to braided polyethylenes to one that, co- that they hold their colors better. Uh, they don't fray up as much. They, they cast better. They run through the water better. They go through the guides better. And, and to your point, no question. We'll be talking about something next year when we would when we do an iCast follow up about the next big thing. It's it it just seems like it's that's the cool thing about a lot of industries, but certainly the fishing industry is every manufacturer out there. I know we certainly are. We're driven to make the angler better because if you make the angler better, they're gonna support you. And and that that really needs to be your end goal. It's not about us. It's more about making them better. And we, we see it across the board. Um, you know, there's a lot of times in product meetings, we'll stop the meeting and just say, look, how is this going to make the angler better on the water? And, and then we'll try to put our heads together. And certainly we listen to other people's perspectives that can get outside of our team. But I, I think that that's one of the biggest reasons you see all these innovations is I think that the end user is well understood and when you're when you're focused on that, it makes you do really good things. 
Yes, absolutely. And boy, you start talking about those those first braids and, and names start popping into my head because I was in the industry for so long. Innovative Textiles with their Spectre Fiber braid and, and Fenwick, when it was a standalone company, had one of the earliest braids also. And you, and you go back and you start thinking about what has happened to this industry. And I, I think even more exciting than that, like you said, at Next year's iCast, after all the products come out and we do see the new product showcase and see what's out there, how exciting is it that we know other things are going to happen and it's going to help us do better out on, on the water? It's every single year and it's every single category. And that's the beauty of capitalism. You know, <laughs> you got, got com- competitors in arenas that have a common goal, but they're trying to do it in slightly different ways. And that's the beauty of it. And it just drives, it fuels creativity and motivation and all the things to, uh, to benefit in our case, the angler, you know, so I, I already know of some things that are coming. And a lot of times I can't speak to things certainly on the St. Croix side, but I know of some things coming in, in other areas too, in the fishing industry. And it's just super exciting. It's, and it seems to be accelerating all the time too, which is, which is really cool. Um, I'd hate to be a fish, but it seems like <laughs> it seems like they get onto stuff too in pressured areas. And I think for years and years and years, a lot of people didn't believe that, you know, the size of a fish's brain and they're not rational thinkers and all that. But I'm here to tell you, you ping them with something from 50 different guys every single weekend. Why is it they all of a sudden mysteriously back off it? So I think that's anglers are starting to figure that out too. And they're taking old bait concepts and making modifications, even if they're not on market, they're tweaking them to do things the angler wants to do to be completely different than anybody else is doing. Absolutely, and always great information from a Dan Johnston. I look forward to talking to you next week, my friend. Hey, thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel 
For those with a passion for the outdoors, my next guest has been on before. He certainly has a passion for the outdoors and has a passion for writing about it. And uh, he's a, a children's author. He has five books now. Welcome back, Bob Allen. Thanks. Good morning to you. Oh, good morning. Uh, you know, uh, five books, and and I uh, we were talking off air about the first one that I had bought from our granddaughter. But uh, for the people that haven't heard about you, uh, let's list them. Tell us, tell us about the five that you have and, and the newest one. Well, the original book uh, was Walter the Wily Walleye. It's kind of wily, which means you have to figure out where he hides and what he wants to eat before you can catch him. And then we gravitated from that into a Walter Under the Ice, same illustrator. We won some awards with that. And I did a Monica the Muskie book, and, and we got that endorsed by Pete Mana, Joe Booker, and Fred Alexander, some Muskie guys in Wisconsin. And we did a fly into the boonies, or a little boy and girl go on a flying trip to Canada with their dad and grandpa, and they cook s'mores, do a short lunch, they see moose and bears and the little girl catches the fish in that one so after walleyes and muskies which are kind of for the midwest i've expanded out now my latest book is battle of the bass larry and lily largemouth versus sam and sarah smama who's bigger stronger faster who jumps higher who's cuter and at the end of the book the the reader the child gets to decide whether he likes largemouth or smallmouth and i got the book endorsed by al linder who's in the bass hall of fame and jay shakuri who is on the Bassmaster elite series he was rookie of the year kind of an up-and-comer so i was happy to have him on board with endorsing the book as a, a good book for kids to get into at an early age absolutely and and the, in the battle of the bass i think all of us uh sometimes as we fish uh for fun or professionally uh Think, boy, what do I want to catch? If I have, if I'm on a Lake Champlain and I can catch both smallmouth and largemouth, do do I want to catch one or the other? And because in many cases you can go find, you know, three or four pound smallmouth or three or four pound largemouth. But uh, pound for pound, I would have to say the smallmouth fight better, and uh, uh, it, it's always fun to catch them. But sometimes when you're going for the biggest weight, you, you have to pick some of both when you're bringing in five. Yeah, whatever the local fare is, that's what you're fishing for. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the why. Why did you start writing these books? Well, I'm long retired, and my wife says, you need a project. And I said, well, I wrote a little bit in high school. She, says, she suggested, well, you got to write about something you know. And I said, well, I coached hockey for 35 years, but I've been fishing for over 65 years, so I think I'll write about fishing. And I've always had a passion for fishing, taking my kids and grandkids fishing. And for the little kids, I want them to get interested in being outdoors, whether they're hunting, fishing, hiking, biking, whatever. Just as encouragement to get kids involved, get off the computer and off their phones and get outside and, and participate in recreational activities and enjoy the outdoors. So that's what motivated me into it. And when I started going out and selling the books, I find that a lot of people are saying, that's cool, my, my, my grandson loves your books, or my nieces and nephews love your books. So I got encouraged by the reinforcement that I was getting, that the kids really like the books. They're, good. They're accurate, they learn something, but it's whimsical, entertaining. And so once I got started with it, uh, I'm in the, the fifth year now, and I've got five books, so I've done one each year. And the people come back and 
order the next one and the next one. So I'm, I'm kind of encouraged that people have enjoyed the books and the kids love them. Absolutely. What uh, and I would imagine. I think uh, anytime uh, uh, a kid is old enough to read to, that your books would apply to that, even if they can't read them themselves. Right, and you never start too young. I know that I was doing a, an activity up at uh, at one of Al Linder's conferences, and uh, I signed a book for one of the, the writers of Target Walleye up there. And he put that picture online at Target Walleye and a little amazed that McComas's daughter, she was like two years old and that was her favorite book. Well, now she's five years old and she can outfish her dad. So <laughs> you start them young and they like the books and they get interested in being outdoors. And lo and behold, uh, the little kids grow up all too fast. Absolutely. Uh, we'll give this again at the end of this interview, but where, where can they buy these books? Where can they see them and get more information? Well, the easiest place to get the book would be on my website, BobAllenBooks.com. And uh, I sign all the books that I send out, and it's free shipping. Uh, you can go to Amazon, but if you go to Amazon, you don't get a signed book. And like I said, if they go to my website, put a little comment in there of who they want the book to go to, I personalize it and put the child's name in there in addition to signing the book. So they got their own personal book. So that's the easiest way. Just go to Bob Allen Books. BobAllenBooks.com, and uh, that's where they can buy the book. Excellent, excellent, and and you get the autographed copy, which is which is right. nice too, and and personalized to the uh, child that you're going to give the book to. I like that. Uh, so, uh, book number five came out. Is there a plan for book number six, or is that not uh, in the works yet? Um, it's in the works, but there's nothing to reveal at this point. I want to just focus on. I'm getting the bass book out this year. Everybody gives me suggestions. Oh, you got to write about a trout. Oh, you got to write about a sturgeon. Oh, you got to write about a tarpon. Well, I'm taking it nice and easy. First the Midwest fish, now the bass, and who knows where the future will take me. Right. You said this was a retirement gig. You don't want to work too hard, do you? <laughs> no, I'm enjoying it. If I didn't enjoy it and the kids weren't responding to it, I would give it up, but so far, it's been a lot of fun. No, you got to leave time to get out there and go fishing yourself, which which is good too. And I, I they tell us uh, if we don't get kids into the outdoors at a very early age, that the later in life that they come to it, the the most more likely they won't ever get to it. And it, it's so important to introduce kids to everything that you know about and everything that you, you know, as parents have a passion for, even if they don't want to do it, at least give them the opportunity to decide that, right? Every time they take the child out to do something outside, it's an adventure. I mean, if you catch fish, it's a bonus, but you get them out there and take along a couple of juice boxes and they can, you know, throw stones in the lake or whatever they want to do, but get them out and, and connect with the kids and have a good time. Absolutely. And it, it's not something that you take them out and you set the time. You let them set the time because their attention span may, you know, they may have fun and want to move on to uh, something else after an hour or two. And they've caught a few bluegills and they're happy or caught a bass and they're happy and they see that playground over there. And then now I want to go do that. Well, well, let them do that. You know, don't you want them to want to go back fishing again? You don't want to say last time I went there, we did that all day and I didn't want to yeah. do it. I, like, let them make the time. Right. And it's amazing how they'll remember that because I talk to people at various shows. As a matter of fact, this weekend I'm going up to Perham, Minnesota, doing a book signing at Goose Gang up there. 
and the parents tell me, oh, I remember, you know, I was up north and and went out with my grandpa and caught a fish when I was young. They remember those events, even though at the time they don't seem memorable, but you do remember those experiences we spent with family and friends in the outdoors. Absolutely. So Battle of the Bass, how long has that one been out? That's pretty recent? It's just, yeah, it just came out uh, October. Okay, so it's just yeah. a couple months into it. Battle of the Bass would make a great... Uh, Christmas present or birthday present or just a present to, a gift to somebody that uh, may have an interest for the outdoors or better yet, somebody that has never been exposed to it. And and like you said, the walleye one kind of a, went to the northern states and the musky one's kind of the same thing. But um, now that you, uh, and the ice fishing obviously uh, appealed to the northern states. They're not doing that in North Carolina or Georgia or Texas or any of those places. But Battle of the Bass even down in some of the southern states, they have smallmouth in some of the Tennessee River systems and, and different impoundments there. So this should appeal to pretty much everybody in every state. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, I think it. I think that's that's good. And again, we'll give this right now again, BobAllenBooks.com, and you can purchase any of these books there. You can get them autographed and personalized to the you know, your niece or nephew or, or daughter or grandchild, anybody, neighbor kid, anybody who might be interested in this. You know, you said you won some awards for the illustration. Tell us a little bit about, about that. Well, the first one I did, we won two awards. We won award uh, midwest independent publishing award for the illustrations and also for the book itself and so i rehired that the same illustrator has done my two walleye books and he has now done the uh, the, the bass book too we also both of those and the most recent one is one what's called a mum choice award so it's approved by you know mums for family fair and uh, the other books all have won awards too either midwest Publishing or uh, Mom's Choice Awards, and yeah. also Forward Award to uh, Forward Indie, which is kind of independent bookstore award. I've won a couple of those too. So each one of the books is one award, so that kind of reinforces that the people enjoy it and they think it's worthwhile to to take a look at. Absolutely, I, I think they're. Uh, I remember reading uh, to my uh, granddaughter. Uh, and now I have a second one that's getting old enough that I can read it to her, and hopefully uh, we'll be we'll be able to do that. And uh, it's it's always fun to take time and uh, give somebody the gift of the outdoors, or give them the opportunity to learn to love it. Because not everybody will, but give them the opportunity. And you and I both love it. You said you know you have fished for sixty years, and that's uh, you know I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I've fished for almost sixty years, and uh, but it's. Uh, it's a parent or it's a neighbor or it's somebody that introduces us to it. And uh, this is a great way uh, to get kids involved. BobAllenBooks.com. You can look at uh, which books you'd like to get or all of them. And uh, definitely appreciate having you on, Bob. And uh, we'll we'll have you on again when you have, write the next one. Okay, I appreciate it. I'm going to have the books at the Ultimate Fishing Show in Detroit, January 12th to 15th. It is also in the Chicagoland Fishing, Travel, and Outdoor Show in Schaumburg, January 26th to 29th. So come on out and see Walter at those uh, venues, and we'll sign books for you. Sounds good. Thanks again for being on, Bob. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Uh, you too. That was Bob Allen. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. 
The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is not here. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. With us today is one of my favorite people. Boy, we talk about the future of fishing. If everybody that fished had this guy's attitude, was so positive, so absolutely unstoppable, and and the way he deals with kids and, and newcomers is astounding how he brings them into the sport and gets them all jacked up to be doing it. He is my buddy, the one and only bro, Brian Brosdahl. Hey, bro, how you doing? Hey, we're doing good here. We're making ice. Excellent, excellent. What, what do you use to make this? Is it like a machine, an ice-making machine? Yeah, it's called Mother Nature. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, they, skiers get to make snow. You know, they, they go artificial. We've got to sit there with our, we're twiddling our thumbs until Mother Nature decides to get it cold enough. Absolutely. It'd be great. Well, we've got some good ice starting. Red Lake has ice, which is a big, big name lake up in my neck of the woods, and it has up to ten inches now. The tracks are sealing up that formed uh, last week, and uh, outside of that, all the lakes are starting to seal up. Even the deep waters are sealing up. A lot of places have uh, four to seven inches of ice. Again, check as you go because it's changing, and some of the stuff just froze here four or five days ago. Some of the bigger, deeper waters. Brian Brosdahl is in Minnesota. He he hails from Max, Minnesota. That's correct, right? Yes, you're right. And a shout out, shout out to my uh, executive producer Brad Nearman, who has a uh, a baby son named Max. So maybe we could get them to leave Florida and, and move up to Max, Minnesota for for uh, baby Max. What do you think? And baby Max could be the mayor. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness! Hey, in all in all serious in all seriousness, uh, we talked about this. You like ice season better than open water season, isn't that true? Hands down, I love it. I mean, in all the places in the world I could I could possibly live. Yeah, I could live in Florida and, and hide on that water. I could live uh, somewhere where it's summer year round, you know, with open water. But I love ice. There, there's such a control to it. You know, you control your temperature inside my otter house. I can I can pick a spot, sit over the fish, and catch them. And it's not like a boat where you're pitching to them, or you. It's sometimes you're vertically fishing, but on the ice, the fish are right under your feet. Sometimes only a few feet. Sometimes they're deeper, but it's very unique. It's like deer hunting for for fish. I just want to let the people let the people know we're going to make a, a clarification here. You said in the Otter House, which is a brand name of fish shelter, you did not say you were fishing in an outhouse. Am I correct? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, the uh, I'm sponsored by Otter Flip Style Houses, and uh, and uh, they're they're really solid. They're a great house, and uh, and what I like is you can control your comfort level. I could fish sitting on a bucket, uh, but you know. If you want to be comfort, you're going to change a lot of hooks, and it's cold out, windy. Why not be in a shelter? Well, you know, why not? But you don't even, you know, if you have a shelter, doesn't mean you have to spend your whole expedition in the shelter. You can use that as a base of operations to go in, to to break the wind, to get out of the cold, and still go out and start, uh, you know, uh, hole hopping from one hole to the next. And you know what? I, I think that's a good thing to talk about. What what are some of the things that drive you crazy when people bring up their objections to why they don't ice fish and, and they give you a reason and you slap your head because it's the silliest reason in the world. Uh, there's a lot of that in ice fishing, a lot of misunderstanding, isn't there? There absolutely is. And, and ice fishing uh, is a sport where you control your catch rate. You could get out there and you could go from hole to hole in a boat. You don't just uh, push yourself off a dock and start fishing right there. In some places you might. There are places like that. But for the most part, you don't just zoom across the lake and just stop anywhere and fish. You specifically fish structure or whatever. But in ice fishing, it's the same. Very scientific, very specific. You control your comfort level. You drill holes effortlessly. And, you, you know, unlike open water, you cast and bring the fish in. You have to drill a hole and then fish under that hole. So it's it's a matter of finding the fish once you have safe ice, uh, setting up a little camp, and then fishing around, drilling a few holes. But, you know, not, not drilling hundreds of holes. I mean, I've been fishing out there, and there's people. They never stop drilling, and they're spooking the fish by doing perpetually never stop drilling. But with today's augers, you know, the other day we were out fishing, we heard a power auger go off and everybody just turned and stared like they seen an antique car, you know, because <laughs> almost all the augers have been replaced by lithium. And literally you could see the crowds of people out there and they all just looked like they seen some, something from the past. That That's <laughs> amazing. And it's hilarious. And, you know, just a few years ago, I have heard people talking about putting their uh, their ice auger blade on a regular hand uh, uh, drill, you know, Milwaukee, DeWalt, uh, Craftsman, whatever, 
and using an electric drill. And I just heard everybody saying, oh, man, it's a great way to burn out your drill, and it doesn't have the power. And, and I, okay, nothing's going to pass gas. And it took hard to pass gas. Boy, we may have to delete that one there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> with, with brushless technologies uh, and, and the new drills, that brushless technology in all these different hammer drills, really drills some fantastic holes fast and then add synthetic so yeah you're not using metal anymore now you're using a metal frame and core like i, I use razor augers uh because they they drill ultra smooth and then when they break through they don't get hung up and they're synthetic this year and i was just at uh been at several ice shows and they're out selling everybody now so everybody's looking for the latest greatest stuff and uh, I like it. I, I actually use, I have a DeWalt and I have a Milwaukee, but I'm not sponsored by the, the you know, a power tool company. I just use whatever works. And I noticed the DeWalt has a handle that can't pull off or break off. And the Milwaukee, it, it, they've improved it, but it still comes off. You give it to the wrong person, it just pushes right off. And uh, I've had... Oh, I've had about eight different Milwaukee's, and I haven't had one stay on the whole season or, or get uh, bent or broken. But on the DeWalt, it can't come off because it wraps completely around the front. So I don't care. I'm just telling everybody, you want a handle that doesn't come off. I think the Milwaukee has a little bit more snooze at the bottom of the hole. But, uh, hey, I don't want to be drilling and then uh, have the handle come off and crack my wrist. I want to... I want a smooth transfer, and I think that's something. If they fix that, I think they could own the ice fishing market, uh, that Milwaukee. But uh, right now, not the best, I don't think. All right, so that's, an, that's a misconception, is that electric power for drills is not as good as gas. Uh, the electric drills almost overnight have come out and uh, really been able to do the job and do it well. I think another thing that people have a mistaken impression about ice fishing is I, I don't like the cold that much. I don't want to go ice fishing. I'll freeze. Ice fishing's too dang cold. That's not true either. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, even at the shows here, starting to see uh, new advancements like fish monkey in their gloves. We all know for like gloves protect your skin or your face in the summertime, but they make really heavy duty gloves uh, they have for hunting and fishing and they protect your fingers, but now there's new long underwear, you know, second layers that you could wear underneath. And uh, and then there's, uh, I use a samurai, or actually it's a reaper hoodie in the winter, but it comes up over your nose so you can block in the wind and you can breathe through it, the reaper hoodie from APCO. It, there's so many advancements. Clothing is light. Boots are light. The gloves are light. Feather light. So you can move so easy and you stay so warm. And very rarely do I have anybody complain about being cold because I'll, I'll prep them. I'll tell them, you better pick up this, this, and this where you come up. And they all say, you don't get cold. The only thing that gets cold is their nose once in a while. If they don't pull up their, their face mask on their reaper hoodie. But uh, there's no reason to not ice fish. Winter is long. You might as well enjoy it. And I know you guys get some ice. limited season, but you still get it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, there are people that will say, well, I don't want my kids going out ice fishing. I, I, I don't want to let my kids go out ice fishing because I don't want them to get cold and get sick. Uh, that's the farthest from the truth. That's like a, an old wives' tale that 
being exposed to the cold or the wet gets you sick. You know, you got to be exposed to germs. And, and there's no more germs ice fishing than any other kind of fishing. And the one thing I find that ice fishing is perfect for kids is they can do whatever they want for the most part. There's no, okay, be quiet and sit there and wait for a bite. may take an hour, but we're just going to sit there and we're going to learn patience. You don't learn patience in ice fishing. You can move around. You can do stuff. And it's perfect to have kids out on the ice. Yeah, and kids are the best at it because kids love video games. Emma Hummingbird, let them go whole hopping, and they will be fixated on that Hummingbird all day. Give an aqua view. Let them watch the fish swim through. Watch the fish come up to their lure, get their heart racing. They're going to love ice fishing. And when my dad was a kid, he told me stories. He had frost on their walls living on the farm, and none of them ever got sick or died. They hardly ever got sick. You get sick when you go out in the public and someone coughs in front of you and you suck in the air. That's how you get sick. Yeah, for for sure, for sure. Well, you know what, it's uh, uh, just a matter of opening your eyes up and, and learning and exposing yourself to things. Uh, I'll do it. And ice fishing is you know, you, you walk out to your hole from your vehicle. If you go out there and after 30 minutes you say, boy, this isn't for me, I can't stand it, you just walk back, get in the car, and go home. You know, it's not like yeah. you've got to uh, trailer the boat and do all that. Hey, it's not for everybody, but if you don't ever try it, you're never going to learn if it's for you or not. And, and I say that most people that give it a try end up liking it more than they think they will like it when they when they first think about it. Absolutely. And what happens is people who don't know about it don't know what they're missing because it is one of the fastest-growing sports anywhere. And the, the uh, ice fishing kickoffs are filling big arenas. And uh, it's just amazing the technology and advancements. You can see the fish like you're looking at an ultrasound on Hummingbird and Mega Live. You can watch them swim around, swim up to your bait. One electronics, you can see everybody's lying in a fish house, or you get 360, and then you can see the fish outside of the fish house all over the place. You see their, their little white beams and shadows swimming, but, you know, you know that being cold, what about being hot? You know, I go visit family in Florida, and I don't know how they can stand it down there. It's so hot, <laughs> and I'm sweating, and, and they're... You know, they're cold. You know, I'm, I'm down there, and I've got shorts on, and people are asking what part of Canada I'm from. I say, I'm not from Canada. They go, well, you're nuts. you got shorts on. And I'm like, it's 60 degrees out. <laughs> I, I, uh, one, one year I was down at ICAST, and I caught a cab to go to the fish in the ICAST Cup at like quarter to five in the morning. I walked out of my hotel room, and I swear I had trouble breathing. I, oh, my God, am I having a heart attack? I realized it. I looked at my my uh, phone. It was 95 degrees with 98% humidity. This is at, you know, before 5 o'clock in the morning. I get in the cab and the driver says, where are you from? I said, Chicago. He said, oh, my God, Chicago. How can you live in that weather? I said, live in that weather. I'll take my weather in Chicago 10 times over this hell that you're living here in Orlando, Florida. My God, I can't breathe. It's so hot. And you're telling me that my weather's bad? Give me a break. Uh, well, I did ask him one time when I was down there, because I was down there for some of that, too. It was 102 degrees one day. I said, How do you, what do you guys do when it gets hot? We stay inside in the air conditioning. <laughs> so there, there's an oxymoron right there. But I, I got to tell you, I've had people from Texas, 
Louisiana, and Florida come up on the ice, dress nice, light, and move around, and they can't believe how much fun it is. There's a certain freedom for people ice fishing. This is why it's growing, because it's not a rich person sport. Every man and woman out there can start ice fishing just by walking out, by using a machine when it's machine travel. In my neck of the woods, you could drive down a road that they plow and pull off on one of the lanes they give you to go fish. Uh, it's it's everybody's sport, and you approach it at the level you want to. Yeah, That's good, good the point. With the least amount of money can fish just like a person with a lot of money. Good point. Let me take a quick break here. We're on with uh, Brian Bro Brosdahl. He's the leader of the uh, Bro Road Show, amongst other things. He is, to me... The face of ice fishing in the USA. We'll have more Brian Brosdahl with me, Steve Surley, when We Fish ASA returns right after this. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry docked for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley here with Brian Brosdahl, best ice fisherman in the country. That's my estimation. You can argue if you want, but uh, I can present a pretty good case for bro when I say that. Hey, bro, uh, I, you, know, you know I'm from Chicago. You actually have a connection to Chicago, don't you? Yeah, I, I'm actually, I got family near Chicago, and my, my wife is from the south side, and uh, she's lived in the Chicagoland and, and uh, Indiana, and, uh, you know, it's, it's fun visiting relatives. Boy, you guys got some great food there, and I, I, can, I can live there, but I would really get big. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and uh, folks, uh, bro's wife uh, Heather is is remarkable. She's a, she's a great person. I always say, uh, you know, the man, the the woman behind the man. Well, that is certainly the case. She's she's done a lot for you. She's a great outdoors partner for you. And please tell her I said hello. Um, we're, we're talking about things. People say, oh, you know why people go ice fishing? They like to drink a lot because you don't have to worry about driving a boat. So they drink a lot and they they have these 
great spreads in the in the uh, in the ice house uh, where they cook phenomenal food and do that. And it's more of a party than fishing. That can be, but that's not really true, is it, bro? Well, no. What happens uh, as you get into these large bodies of water and they they get so much ice that everybody's got. There's a lot of new advancements. There's big RVs that are like our ice houses that drop down in the ice. You walk inside, there's a big screen TV with an Octavia <laughs> camera hooked up to it. Everybody watches the fish swim up on a big screen TV. You can watch sports. So they're sitting in a plush living room, or in some houses, it could, it looks like a you know a, a bed. It's pretty rough in there, but some houses are really super nice. And they got the thermostat. They got a, a forced air heater. They got a generator for all their power and lights. They've got... Uh, you know, fake palm trees outside with uh, LED <laughs> lights going up and down. Yeah. And, and, and so there's plenty of ice and snow to put your beer on. But, you know, we don't do that. We want to catch fish, and that's stuff that we can do when we're done off the ice. But it's about checking those holes. It's about jigging cadence, getting those fish to come up to bite. And then at the end of the day, you warm up with hot chocolate or a coffee with a little something in it sometimes. There you go. You know, I, I remember a, a long time ago, and I I had never ice fished, and somebody was telling me about, uh, oh, you got to come down with the right pattern. And, you know, we, we throw the word pattern around in fishing quite a bit. In open water fishing, I understand what finding the pattern is that the fish are uh, want to cooperate with, but... You just said something different that a lot of people mistake for pattern, and that was jigging cadence. Uh, some people say that's that's a uh, that's the pattern for catching fish, the way you are jigging, the cadence of it, and that's not like we normally talk about as a pattern. What is a jigging cadence, and and what do you do to alter that or mix it up to try to get the fish to come after you? Oh, absolutely. I when you drop a spoon down in the wintertime, uh, buckshot rattle spoon has probably been legendary throughout history. It's a, it's a small spoon that weighs an eighth ounce up to a quarter ounce, and some, some are bigger, three-eighths. But you add a little piece of a minnow, maybe the head or the tail, and drop it down, and the cadence is the movement you create. So what I like to do before I drop it down is I jig it in a hole, and I try to make a good flash and action in the hole, drop it down, recreate that jigging motion at the bottom, watch the fish's reaction to the bait. If they're coming in and they're ready to hit, uh, sweep it, let it pause, and just shimmy it, and they'll slam it. But if they come up and they flare away, uh, slow down your jigging motions, and instead of doing one to two foot strokes, do just a little short hop, couple inches hop, and then pause every now and then. But watch the reaction of the fish as they're swimming up on your mega live on hummingbird or on the camera when they're coming up. If their fins are flared, they look like they're going to hit. They're excited. If they come up and they flare away, you're jigging too hard. And it's not about ripping it. It's about talking to the fish. It's about creating bait fish, injured bait fish movements. And, and in the animal kingdom and fish kingdom, injured minnows get eaten fast. So if you want to look like an injured minnow. Hey, it makes sense to me. And people think about this and they don't they don't really pay any heed to that uh, jigging cadence. That, that it's all about uh, uh, the depth, you know, and that, that is important. And obviously the color and the presentation is important too. But I think that jigging cadence is something that people just blow off and, and, and don't 
get on to as well as they should. Absolutely. And sometimes if they can't figure it out, just give them a gamma catch a hook, put a live mint on it, and a split shot, drop that down the hole on a dead stick. And I, I like you said, St. Croix makes a lot of great jigging rods, but they also make a killer dead stick. Yeah. And now you can get reels and, uh, that have a bait runner on them in the winter. Uh, so you click on your bait runner, and let's say that you're playing poker and your line starts running, you're not going to lose your rod because it'll spool off the reel. Then you reach down, lift it up, roll the handle, it clicks it in place and set the hook. So there's there's a way to fish for everybody. If you're, if you're into jigging, then you better pay attention to your cadence. If you're into dead sticking, then you can pay attention to your cards. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Hey, um, sorry. Uh, this is one time of the year when you can not be embarrassed to say you've got live bait on your hook. Live bait is king when it comes to ice fishing. What live baits are the best? Well, uh, you know, around here, you just hope you can find some because uh, it, it, ice fishing is so popular. The bait sells out just like it was the beginning of the walleye season around here. So, my, my saying is, whatever bait you can find, you can make the most of it. Fathead minnows, shiners are fantastic. If you can find shiners in the winter, you're really doing good. Small sucker minnows, to start out, you know, you'll catch more more of everything because every size walleye can eat a small sucker minnow. And bigger sucker minnows, put them down on a dead stick at night. If you're out uh, on the ice in a, in a rental house or in, in your own wheelhouse or even in a pop-up, Ice camping has exploded up here. There's people taking cots and sleeping bags and putting down a little styrofoam floor, and they're camping in their otter hubs when the hub house is like a tent. So if you're out there, put a sucker minnow down and let it sit. If you don't want to be woke up all the time by smaller fish biting, and it's really turning into a trend uh, to use dead sticks and, and just kind of just relax on the ice. And we were talking about kids earlier. Nothing gets the kids interested more than when they can do whatever that they can be texting their friend or doing anything. But when a line goes off, they're the first one to go grab it to set the hook. And for for sure, uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, uh, it's amazing how much faster they can run than me. You know what? I, I just I'll just sit there and watch them go for it. Go, watch them go for that step up. Uh, there's no way I'm going to get there before anybody. So let them have their fun. Oh, God, that's, yeah. that's great. Can't wait. Hey, uh, you know, we don't have the big bodies of water like you do in, in northern and central Minnesota and the areas that you ice fish. Uh, Lake Geneva in Wisconsin probably be the biggest lake within driving distance for me in the Chicago suburbs. And it is a rarity when Lake Geneva ices over all the way across. It never really ices totally in the middle. In your neck of the woods, with the weather that you have, does all your water totally ice up? All of it freezes up. Uh, some years, uh, we we even have Lake Superior will, will freeze, and that's that's one of I, if not the largest Great Lake. But the Lake Superior has super deep water. But when that freezes up, it I remember it has froze across. But the Coast Guard cutters come because there's ships on it all the time. But when it freezes in downtown Duluth in the harbor, 
It only has to freeze out a few miles and people hit the ice. And they catch lake trout only a short walking distance right off the shore because that's a big, deep lake. But all the interior lakes, they all freeze. Lake of the Woods is a million acres, and that thing freezes all the way across. And by the end of February, they'll have a road you could drive 22 to 24 miles across that lake. Anybody could do it. You just got to pay attention to their rules on the road where they'll let you go. And uh, But everything freezes, and it's crazy. This is, if you love ice fishing, this is the place to visit because if you don't have an ATV, a UTV, a snowmobile, you don't want to walk, you could drive here. In the resorts, you just pay the fee. That's how they uh, keep the plows going. And some resorts have 14, 15 plow trucks going uh, 24 hours a day just to keep them open because they'll have hundreds of people out down that road. And so it, it's kind of a destination for those who want to walk on water. Excellent. And if you want to have an unbelievable fishing experience, try ice fishing and do it in a place where it is done really well, which would be Minnesota is the capital of ice fishing in this country. And when you get there, look up Brian Brosdahl. Bro, what's your website, Brian? It's brosguideservice.com. BrosGuideService.com. Follow him on Facebook. He's very active on social media. Uh, he's got, got a lot going on. He, he loves to teach. He's an excellent instructor. And, and if I wanted to learn how to ice fish tomorrow, I'd be headed up to Minnesota and trying to book Brian for a day, although that might be impossible to do. You ought to give it a try. Check him out, BrosGuideService.com or Brian Brosdahl, BrosGuideService on Facebook. He is the goods He's a good friend. Happy to have you on the show, my friend. And uh, we'll do it again before the ice season is over, okay? Hey, thanks for having me. And if you leave now, you can make it here by morning. <laughs> Talk to you later, my friend. Thanks. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the Internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Author, Bob Allen. Get your orders in in time for Christmas, folks. And Brian Bro Brosdahl. Yeah, another episode of the Bro Road Show coming up. Check him out. He is the goods when it comes to ice fishing. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. They do. Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our podcast each and every week. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or somebody we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. Just send us a message at our website, wefishasa.com. We respond to everything, so please have at it. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing! I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.